everybody, and welcome to We Are Doomed, a Soccer Rangers podcast, where we focus on conventions, cosplay, and nerddom in general, or at least that's what we like to think around here. But who are we? Well, I'd like to think that we know who we are, but just in case you don't know who we are, I'm Robert, I'm the Red Ranger. I'm Cole, I'm the Green Ranger. I'm Tyler, I'm the Black Ranger. And I'm joining also... us in the special oh. guest seat, Sorry. somebody who really <laughs> wants to talk, apparently, and we actually like that around here... <laughs> We have our dear friend, Melissa. Melissa, plug your page now. Hello. Uh, like Robert said, my name's Melissa. Uh, I actually don't have a Facebook cosplay page, but <laughs> I know I'm one of the very rare people who don't have that. But I'm actually on Instagram as KimchiCutie93. And I also have a separate Facebook page called KimchiKiRumis, where I make custom-made uh, character onesies for sale. You make onesies? Yeah, I make the oversized onesies. Oh, yeah, the Kigus. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So we'll be talking more about that a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, what, 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 what kinds have you made so far? Like, you haven't made a bunch of them, or do you have, like, a um, styles, or is it all just custom-made then? I'm really like, curious now. I, uh, so far, the ones I've made are the five Voltron Lions. Yeah, okay. Uh, I've made Toothless. I've made multiple Toothless Dragons. I've made Baymax, and I recently made a, um, I can't, I, I'm not really familiar with the series from Sergeant Frog, but, uh, someone had commissioned me for, I think, the Tadpole. I'm not very, um, like I said, I'm not familiar with the series, so that's all I can really, that's all I can really tell so far. I'm not really sure. The, the black one? Uh, I honestly have no idea. It was, like, the dark blue one. Oh, um, oh god, what the hell is his name? Uh, Ninja Guy, uh... I don't know what this is. Yeah. Like, a tadpole from something? <laughs> I totally don't know what this is. Um, is this, is this an anime? Is this a... It is from an anime. It is from an anime. I just... Yeah, Sergeant Frog, a.k.a. Karoro Gunso? Oh, I think so, yeah. No, I've never, I've never, never watched that, never heard of it. Uh, Tamama. That's that's what the character's name was. Tamama. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's the that's the black one. Yes, the tadpole. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Fancy. Interesting. Intrigued. Yeah. I'm more intrigued. Yeah. So <laughs> waiting for my Godzilla one, by the way. I, if you want to commission me for that, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want it for free. <laughs> I put in the order like five years ago. She still hasn't never given me pricing. <laughs> Oops. Yep. <laughs> Moving well, on. how much would you charge him? Is it, is, is it the price is much higher or much lower? Probably much higher. I'm assuming uh, it's by fabric. Typically, it is by fabric. Usually, it uh, it ranges from $75 and up. But prices are negotiable. Ooh, negotiable. I.e. begging. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to beg. You don't have to beg. We can come up with, we can come up with a contract. <laughs> Rob Soul. <laughs> That is not up for sale. It's already been claimed by three other people. They're currently doing battle over it. See, so you, you fracture it like you do with Voldemort. So you just have like a fraction of a soul. and then you. Just... Also, I'm pretty sure your girlfriend owns your soul at this point now. Yeah, no, she's the one killing everybody for the rest of it. I don't want to die yet. Yep, that's right. <laughs> battle to the dead. I haven't even met her yet. And I'm pretty sure that she'll kill me the first time I meet her. <sighs> Only she finds out about some of our bedroom situations at the conventions. Oh, yeah, she's going to be a convention, isn't she? Yep. Oh, fancy. Fancy. Yep, so, this can't end well. So, so, 
Well, I'm probably going to be ruined with the girls anyways. Anyways. Uh, yeah, that's just because you have a vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Jealous? A little bit. Really. Yeah. Yeah. It's so small it's inverted. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I have such a big personality? <laughs> hey -o. Wait a second, this is insulting myself. I should stop now. Um, <laughs> let's get on to the podcast. What's the plot for today? Well, well first things first, there's a couple of questions we need to go and ask Melissa here, because, you know, we got to oh, give her the proper is. rundown and all that. And yep, besides, yep, this all is the... her first time on the on the podcast. This exactly. is my first time on any podcast, so... We'll be gentle. <laughs> I be ironic, gentle. Ironically, that's actually very true for a lot of our guests, is that the first time on a podcast ever. Is that <laughs> ironic? We call it ironic. Yes, but... Okay, fine, I'm using the word wrong again. Screw you. I'm <laughs> uh, not sure he knows what that word means. Okay. Fair enough. So, yep. anyway, Cole, Cole, driller, driller hard. I thought Rob was supposed to do it. You're you're supposed to. It's your leading Same time. podcast. Same time. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. I, I just know how much Cole likes to go and do this stuff. Anyway, so let's just go and uh, fill in all the people at home a little bit more, her with a little bit more information about you and your convention life. So, what was your first cosplay, for example? Oh my god, uh, that's definitely <laughs> something we should not talk about. I actually went as an OC that I can't even really remember at this point. Uh, like that was, that was like you, ten years ago. So what? Okay, so what did you call this OC? Oh my god, I I actually really don't remember. I just remember it was an OC that was just like right out of like nowhere, and yeah, <laughs> that was about it. Okay, so. That cosplay still exists somewhere. Uh, I think I buried it somewhere. I think I buried it at my old house, like on our old property. <laughs> that that's a first. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, I really no, we, don't we, remember how I got rid of it. Like that was like just astral projection of me just like getting rid of it somehow. <laughs> Hear that, folks? She threw it into the speed force. Okay then. <laughs> so, what was your first convention then? Oh, definitely SakuraCon. Like SakuraCon was. Actually, so the con that got me into. Ten years ago, yeah. Two, it was at 2007. All right. Gotcha. Nice. Uh, any vivid memories from that convention? Oh, uh, that was actually the convention that Vi where Vic Mignogna made me cry. And in, not in a good way. Oh. Vic Mignogna? Yeah. Oh, that's not good. What did you do? I, actually, I, rem I remember the entire story, too. I remember, the, I, I remember exactly what happened. Normally, I don't hear bad stories about the Kenyatta. What happened? If we are you going to cry again? Uh, I don't think I'm going to cry, but I am still very, I am still pretty salty about it. Oh wow! You guys, I don't know if you guys want to hear the full story. Give us oh, the, yeah, want to hear every dirty word of it. Oh, Let's oh, get God. the uh, the jot notes, the uh, the cold notes, <laughs> as the word. the cold notes, the cold notes. <laughs> Jeez, so, cold notes. Start jotting them down, Cole. No. It was actually the year where um, Subasa uh, Revra Chronicles was being released in the English dub, and Vic Mignogna was going to voice Fi. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the biggest reason why I wanted to go to SakuraCon, because Subasa at the time was my favorite series. That was my favorite clamp series. Yeah. And 
originally I wanted to get an autograph for myself and my friend, but Vic said, hey, sorry, we can only do one at a time, one per person because of um, uh, time constraints, because they were only, because at the time, where they were stationed at was in smack dab in the middle of the dealer's hall. So it was super mm. crowded. They had to get everyone out as quickly as possible, just to get autographs, meet and, like a quick meet and greet, and that was about it. I forgot about that year. Yes, yes. Oh my god, still- that was a claustrophobic nightmare. Oh, they were they were still trying to figure out how to use that space that year. Yeah. That was only the second year at the convention center, and the first year was a disaster for that stuff. Yeah, that was actually the same year where they decided they realized, hey, maybe we shouldn't have registration where dealers hall is going to be the next day. Yep. <laughs> anyways, um, I had, I chose to get an autograph for my friend, and I went next to I went. Uh, I think the left of Vic, where the voice actor for uh, Kurogane was. And I wanted to get his autograph, and I overheard the girl behind me get three autographs. She got Roy Mustang's glove, uh, the poster that staff handed to us, and um, Edward's, Edward Elric's um, pocket watch. He signed all three. And when I asked him, like, hey, you know, why did she get three autographs when you denied me one for me and one for my friend? He, he said something along the lines of, like, I wasn't cute enough. Oh. Yeah. And wow. At, at the time, I was, like, I was, like, 14 years old, still very self-conscious about, like, me being a nerd, me, be, me liking this sort of stuff. And so for my, at the time, voice acting idol to say something like that, it just broke me. I was just, in, I, I actually left the con early because of that. Damn. Yeah, it was harsh. That, it was really that's harsh. A, that's a first. That was hella harsh. Like, I just remember just running out of there, just crying. I just, like, grabbed, my, grabbed one of my other friends, and we just left the con. Damn. But, yeah, that was, my, that was my most vivid memory of the convention. Well, geez, we, we, we got to a dark place here really quick. Uh, <laughs> quick, uh, happy memories, happy moments. Uh... <laughs> Happy moments. I actually met my girlfriend at the con when I was dressed up as hiccup. That's a very happy moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, elaborate, uh, talk, make people feel better. <laughs> I know. It was really like, uh, so it was at the How to Train Your Dragon uh, public photo shoot at Sakura Con 2014. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was dressed up as uh, hiccup from the second movie, and she was dressed up as Astrid from the second movie. and. I, I'm not kidding when I say this. Megan, honey, if you're watching this or listening to this, I'm sorry, I have to tell them. She literally crab walked over to me to compliment me on my costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds think, like Megan, all right. Yeah, I'm I pretty sure were, that was I the same. Oh, I was. Yeah, that, I'm, pr- I'm pretty I sure that was the same. Second, and then suddenly there was an asteroid between you and me. It's like, <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the same year that we met. I think I met you for the first time. Yeah. That was the year. Although we never really talked. I don't think we've ever talked at a con. Yeah, like, well, I mean, she longer, had to go like, and run off places, and you and me had to go somewhere. Yeah, well, I had yeah. so many photo shoots to get to. I'm sorry for ditching you, but I was just like, I need to get to these places. I oh, no worries. I'm just, I'm just poking fun. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the four, we've met like six times when I'm usually with Robert. Yeah. And each time you're like, I'm so sorry, but I got to go to this photo shoot. I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm like, <laughs> 
walking it in heels and shit. Yeah, and it was, and or you're yelling at Robert for something, and he's like, "Robert, I need help." Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Um, yeah, no, I, I vaguely remember at one time going and looking at my phone and going and seeing Rob safety pins now. Yeah, yeah, I remember I messaged you about safety pins because uh, my costume was falling apart literally at the seams, and I had no way to fix it. It's like, thank God I keep a handful of these things in my pocket every or every uh, convention. Mm-hmm. Thank God for Rob. Yep. Well, Rob was the one who saved my belt first year I met him, so. Yep. Yeah, so the emergency cosplay. Rob, you are literally a walking, talking cosplay repair station. I yeah, am. Actually, Before well, those things well, existed, there was me. Well, technically, he, he wasn't didn't carry around the epoxy, but. Yeah. But still, I go and do a hotel immediately next to the convention center, and I have enough stuff to go and completely remake a costume if I need to. <laughs> Hopefully that isn't the case. Hopefully not. I know he's had to remake weapons. Oh, yeah. I've had to do that. That was not fun this last year. That was not fun. I blame myself for, you know, working at 3 o'clock in the morning to go and finish stuff up for prop commissions and whatnot. I, re- and I also remember cussing you up for that. I also remember cussing you up for that. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was totally <laughs> deserved. I fully accept. I totally accept everything that I got out of that one because that that was just a shame right there. Like mm-hmm. I, oh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still upset about that. One of these days, I'm still gonna get that Falcon Zord finished. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm pissed. I'm still pissed. But yeah, uh, no, this, this ain't about me. This ain't about me. This is about her. This is about her. So back Yay, to cosplay. Moment. <laughs> yeah, never, speaking of cosplays, what's your favorite style of cosplay? Oh gosh, um. Just definitely the, the fabric aspect of it, like getting to work with a uh, different kinds of material. Learning so not how. really, so not really armor based. It's no, more... no, I can't do armor. I can't do armor to save my life. Oh, your hiccup armor was not bad. That was that was just like that. I'm not kidding when I say that was held with a wish, a wish, a prayer, and a curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my curse. <laughs> yeah, mostly it was just cursing Robert. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she she was I I coined the phrase happy mad when it came to her in that costume because yeah, her yeah. and I have a little bit of history with that particular hiccup outfit because oh she gosh, was working on it. And we were just hanging out. I'm trying to remember what we saw. We we went out and saw like the Lego movie or something like that. Yeah, like, we saw the Lego movie and I think I think there was a trailer playing on the previews before the Lego movie of How to Train Dragon 2. Yeah, yeah, and you asked me to take you down to the Michaels that was uh, down near the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> and we went in, and was it Michaels or Joanne's? I can't remember. I think, was, I think it was Joanne's. I think it was Joanne's. Yeah, yeah, no, it was Joanne's, because she was looking No, for- no, 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 actually, actually, no. It was when you took me to see Frozen. Yes, that's right, that's right. And now afterwards, I remember. like, that was uh, just that initial hype. I was like, Robert, we have to go to Hobby Lobby to get embroidery floss, because I need to make that on a costume. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Never, uh, did, it. Never did it, and I'm glad I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. But, anyway, we went looking for more of this leatherette material that she needed oh for hiccup. Oh my gosh. I, I had that mental breakdown in your car. Oh my god, we found out that the stuff that she had gotten had been discontinued, like, the season beforehand. Yeah. And 
we couldn't find more of it. So she was convinced that her costume was over. Like there was no way that that cosplay I was getting done. I almost cried in your car. I had oh, such yeah. a breakdown because I think it was like a couple months before SakuraCon, and that costume was only halfway done. Yeah. No, I mean it was it was bad. So I ended up going and taking a scrap of the stuff. And I think the yeah, I took your receipt too on that because I was trying to go and find any place that would have anything left of this. So yeah. I traveled around to every. I want to say it was Joanne Fabrics. Uh, it was yeah, it was it was exclusive. That stuff was only found at Joanne's. Yeah, so I traveled around to every Joanne's, basically on this side of the mountains, <laughs> uh, from like Olympia on north, and finally found some by complete accident at my local Joanne Fabrics in the clearance center when I was looking for something else. I was like, wait a minute. Is this go and run out to my car, go and grab the receipt, come back. It's got the same cereal skew. <laughs> like, you've got to be shitting me. Like, again, I can't thank you enough for finding that for me and even shipping it to me. Like, for me, that was like, oh my god, Hiccup would not have been finished if it wasn't for you, Robert. So, hey. hey. What's what's $40 in leatherette material between friends? Oh <laughs> Again, I, I still can't thank you enough for that, because, oh my god, like... Honestly, I probably would have thrown out that costume if I hadn't gotten that material in time, because I was just so frustrated with myself and with the fact that Joanne's discontinued it. Yeah. Oh, God, you were talking about throwing it out while we were going and driving you home in the car. Yeah, I was. I was so, like, I was so self-destructive during that time. I was just like, if I don't get this material, I'm going to, like, I'm going to chuck it out the window. I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to burn it. I'm going to just, I was just so angry with everything. So let that be a lesson to everybody out there. When it comes to making your costume, make sure you buy some extra in case you screw up on your her on your uh, fabrics. Because let's be honest here, it might not be there later when you need it. Yep. yep, yep. Don't don't pull don't pull my move. It's just yep. Even even if it is going to cost a little bit extra, hey, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it just in case. Because with cosplay, you have to expect the unexpected. Yep, definitely. Anyway, so, so I feel like see. that's a pretty good introduction. We'll come back so, a little bit later. There is one last question that we forgot. Oh, what did we forget? What get you, What got you into cosplay? Oh, the most oh, important yeah. question. That's, 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 it should be an easy answer, but it's like, I think what it was is like, uh, one of my cousins first introduced me to anime, and that was when uh, she got me to watch Sailor Moon for the very first time. <clears throat> and I remember having, like, having, like, this... I don't know what you would call it, but it was just, like, I loved Sailor Mars so much when I was really little, and I really wanted to be her. And then when I found out about cosplay when I was, like, 13 or 14, I was just like, this is a real thing. I can actually be the characters that I love. And I think that's what got me into uh, cosplay itself. Well, that's a better response. That's a better reason than my personal way of getting interested in cosplay. Do you know what that was? It was literally watching um, a skit from I can't remember which convention of a Naruto version of Internet is for Porn. I am not kidding. Lame. Shut up, you. That's what first Nerd. got my. Yeah, well, that, was the, that was one of the first things I remember watching, and then from there it just spiraled until I wanted to do it. So. Oh, also, I forgot to mention about the uh, 
like my favorite like thing for the cosplay like what kind of cosplayer thing I am of uh, Robert knows this. He's seen me go crazy over this. Um, but I actually really enjoy uh, hand embroidering and hand beading my costumes. So, oh, cool. Yeah. I, I feel like that's an understatement. <laughs> I have a love of um, hand embroidery. I, I remember a demand for, I believe it was bubble tea, if I remember correctly, because you had been slumped over your sewing table for like two or three days straight. Yeah, sewing. yeah. Going and running your gold floss through, and you'd fucked up your back. <laughs> I, I herniated my, I herniated a, a couple discs in my back a couple times already. Yeah, that you see, Melissa is a great cosplayer, but I'm going to say this right now: don't be a Melissa. Do not worry your friends. I'm... Do not be that person. Okay, yeah. since you, since you mentioned, even be a coal. So, don't be a Melissa. Since, since you mentioned embroidery, I have to ask if you've done this, just because I've, I recently saw a picture of a friend of ours um, doing this exact same thing. Um, you don't, you know, you you uh, spend a lot of time embroidering when you accidentally embroider your your little thing into your pants. <laughs> I've done I'm, worse. I've done worse. Because I remember <laughs> our, our, our friend of the podcast and uh, Sam recently posted, uh, Mama Samu recently posted a picture of um, her embroidering. If I remember correctly, it was a Game of Thrones embroidery or something like that. And she had been paying so much attention to it, she ended up sewing her skirt into the embroidery. Uh, <laughs> I've done worse. I've, I've done way worse than that. And uh, I had actually, uh, I actually, uh, basically, I pulled a split stitch through my thumb. Okay, that hurts. <laughs> nice. That's what happens when you embroider for about 12 hours straight without any caffeine. Well, there's your mistake. Uh, uh, <laughs> needles are sharp, and they go right through pretty easy, so... Yeah, but the, the, like, oh. but the feeling of the floss, like the actual thread going through your skin, is a very, very, very strange sensation. It is weird. It is weird. It just because, like, there's very little, like, the nerves in your finger are sort of weird in that you can just go past them. And so either it can, like, hurt a whole lot if you hit a nerve, or you can just pass all your nerves. And it just, you're not actually, like, feeling it. You're feeling, your nerves are feeling your skin getting moved around on the inside. Yeah, it's, it's a gamble kidding. when it comes to that kind of thing. It's a gamble. Yeah. No, it's 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 weird. It's weird. So okay, oh. there we go. Now we got all the questions done. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. That's fantastic. So, anyway, we're gonna move on to the evening subject, and this is one. This is something that I think is going to be a real problem in the convention spaces for a long time now and for a lot of different reasons now we've this talked one, so what are we what is this i actually don't know anything about this story okay okay so i'm i'm kind of going to build up to this one here because we know that a lot of different comic con events are starting to get a little bit hostile towards cosplay and it is somewhat understandable because those conventions are more about marketing. It's about the making of actual money versus a lot of anime conventions where it is more for fun events. A lot of times it's nonprofit organizations and whatnot. And there's nothing right. wrong with that. 
but we've seen things like Emerald City Comic Con starting to get more strict on cosplay because they're trying to go and keep pathways open. If you've ever been to the Washington State Convention Center, you know on how... I'll just be blunt here on how... The entryway, the entryway is like a blocked artery. That's yeah, like yeah. the best way I can like describe it. It's so it's, difficult to get through. It, it's it's a very poorly laid out convention center. Like for small events and for uh, more organized events, like there's a big dental convention that goes on here in the Pacific Northwest. That kind of stuff it works fine for. But when you're talking about any sort of major expositions going on, it's not the best laid out uh, yeah. convention center space. And because and of that, so. yeah, because of that, a lot of conventions have had to get a little bit more strict when it comes to cosplay and limiting big costumes, large right. props, and where photographs can be taken. Yeah, because I know... Which um, I can understand, which I can yeah. understand. Exactly. Like, even if you actually look at a lot of Japanese-based um, con spaces, like, cosplay is restricted to certain parts of the convention. <laughs> yeah, like Comicet. Like Comicet in Japan, that usually with that, it's like, they have cosplayers go outside of the venue rather than inside of the venue where it's like people are trying to sell and market what they have. But with mm-hmm. like with like um, Comic-Con, like official Comic-Cons, uh, sometimes it's one of those cases where, okay, a cosplayer has got, has like crossed the, crossed the line and just ruined it for everyone. Exactly. It's one of those things where it isn't the act of cosplay that's the problem. It's more either certain individuals' actions or certain costumes that are not really well designed for the spaces they need to move through that really limit things. And a lot of vendors in particular are the ones that complain about this stuff because sometimes you'll end up with a cosplayer getting more attention than what their booth is or going and blocking visibility so people can't see their wares. Also with with like other uh, con attendees asking cosplayers, hey, can I take your photo? right in smack dab in the middle of like or in front of someone's um table yeah it's become a really big issue especially for comic cons in particular because once again they are really commercial based conventions right so we find ourselves in kind of an interesting place here uh there's a pretty small convention called elite con which is based in tampa florida which Tampa has no lack of anime conventions. Or as, 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 as well told by the t- amount of times I mentioned Florida yeah. in, in, the, in the cosplays of, of the conventions of the week. Exactly. Now, I'm pretty sure a, that I, I haven't gone a week without mentioning a Florida con I, ever. I would be shocked if you have. But the thing that's kind of unique about Elite Con is that, number one, it's a single-day event. And it really is designed specifically for high-end retail of comic paraphernalia and whatnot. I mean, we're talking about the average price ticket for the merchandise at this uh, particular event is $50 and up. This is a really high-end deal here. And You have to be a really serious person to actually pay that amount for a single-day con just to see what you can buy. Exactly. This this is kind of a unique thing. This is a lot like what you'll find at places like San Diego Comic-Con, where they kind of have three different conventions going on. You have the press event stuff going on, you have general attendance events, and then you have the actual comic collector side of things, which can be a whole nother level yeah, as far as like, the stuff that's there. 
So EliteCon has, I won't say a bad reputation per se, but this year it's come under a lot of fire because of, well, quite honestly, a Facebook post where they were going and talking about, well, quick reminders about policies and whatnot. And one of them is cosplay is not allowed. And the internet has gone wild about it. They are literally lighting their torches and sharpening their pitchforks. Like, it's gone insane. Okay, first off, I have to ask, how long has this con been going on for? I believe this is its third year, if I uh, read her. And has this this policy been the policy, like, for all three years? For my understanding, yes. Okay. That's what I wanted to be sure about. Wait, you mean cosplay has been not allowed at... For since the other two years, yeah, yeah, people did, and no one stopped them. I think what it, I think what it is, is the fact that you know, it's just a reminder. It's a yeah, it's a reminder that's saying like, hey, just to let you guys know, and just to remind everyone, cosplay isn't allowed here. This is a serious show. Essentially, I think what it is is that if the name wasn't ElitCon, it wouldn't be under so much fire because tip. I think like I don't want to really. I don't know how other way to describe it, but like cosplayers have like this Pavlov's dog kind of mentality where they hear like a certain thing and they they're instantly thinking like, oh, this is something I can do, this is something like I would enjoy, I can be rewarded with, because it's like when you hear Elite Con and then you hear that, oh, hey, it's a comics event, people immediately think it's something like Comic Con or Kamikaze or some kind of other convention where it's like you can dress up, it's like like any of your typical. Uh, cosplaying events essentially mm-hmm. definitely mm. yeah and it, i think this is another one of those examples of the internet hive mind going yeah, gangbusters yeah. Oh, hell yeah. oh fucking hell yeah are you are you kidding me like the cosplay community is so fueled on drama like even just a small spark will cause an entire wildfire like it, it will spread so quickly uh, it's, I wouldn't just say it's just the cosplay community. I'd say it's the internet community, which happens to be a lot too. of cosplay. Yeah, it's, I, it's just cosplayers are internet people, and just yeah. the internet people themselves just spark at this kind of stuff. It yeah, just the it, Venn diagram of those two things, the circles are very overlaid of each other, and very few people are yeah. outside circles. But it also amazes me how people are seeing this and are not going onto the actual events page and seeing and like, Hey, research. is this? Yeah. Like they didn't, they a don't do their of, research on this. From the sounds of the oh, way you guys are saying really do. other internet. Things. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have all the information at our fingertips of the internet, yet no one seems to do the research, which is super yeah. quick to do on the internet. The thing, the thing that I'm seeing here is from what I'm assuming is that people see are seeing this singular post and thinking, Oh, they just want, they're just banning it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Where it's, nobody's yeah, if, doing it was, their... if it's been from day one, like the first year that cosplay was not allowed, then that, yeah, that's, that's on them. If, if they start a convention, and they say cosplay is not allowed like day one, then yeah, they've got total rights to continue to not allow cosplay into it. But I guess Maybe it's just the third year it's gotten big enough that people actually see it and then they see this and then the whole mob mentality and it sparks off and people don't really care if it wasn't allowed before, but it's not allowed currently at this time. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I 
it, this is just one of those amazing things to me because, it, and we've talked about the hive mind mentality that seems to come along with a lot of this stuff and on how especially convention goers seems like they get up in a tissy faster than any other internet group. Like, oh, did you hear about this thing that happened at this convention? Oh, God, kill him! Light him up! Set up the torches! And I don't, I don't necessarily is, think they're, they get up in a tizzy more than anyone else. I think you see it quicker than anyone else because you were in the community. Uh, and so on your social media and such, you'll see it more often uh, because it's what you're closely linked to. But like right. video game stuff, that happens tons of times with video games as well, where people get up on the tizzy of something that's happening and they'll get overexcited about it or it happens with movies all the time too it's just it's it's the it's the internet uh Being the internet culture <laughs> just internet culture in general of like pop culture of movies video games cosplaying has just become so big it's become one of yeah. those areas and you just cosplay you see now has basically quintessentially been a part of like pop culture now because like you can cosplay from movies cartoons shows, anime, video games. You could basically cosplay from anything and it'd still be like, hey, this is a pop culture thing. And everyone who's in that pop culture knows what cosplay is. Like, Oh, heck uh, yeah. I, I saw, it was a Tumblr post and it was of someone commenting on Pokemon uh, Red and Blue and what happens is they, in there, there's a character they meet that it's supposed to be like the stereotypical... A cosplay fan, right? Movie. I think I remember uh, that. It's not yeah. that cosplay oh fan. Poke, poke fan. Poke fan. Uh, uh, the, yeah, the stereotypical, like, dweeb nerd character. And yeah. he's like, I like these kind of things, but have you heard about these people that do costume play and dress up in costume? And it, it's so... It, it's, it's written in such a way that it's a, a very obscure thing that no one knows about in that time. No one really didn't know about. So back yeah, then, yeah. it's just like, oh, that's kind of weird. That means he's very exclusive, this very uh, uh, very small select group of nerds that like this kind of stuff. But like now, yeah, everyone knows what that is. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's also like how back the then... The only like, really know our parents. <laughs> like, <early laughs> <or> like, <laughs> it's, kind of, it's like the sense where, like, just a few years back, if you tell people, like, just everyday people, like, hey, you cosplay, they'll, like, sneer at you, they'll look at you weird, they'll ask you, like, hey, isn't, isn't it too early or too late for Halloween? But now I, it's more like, wow, it's like, oh, you cosplay, that's cool, because they know, they know of it. Like, they don't yeah. know, all, like, really all about it, but they, they've at least heard of it. Yeah, well, even then, before it's like if you said if you said you cosplay, people wouldn't even understand what that word is. It's like I don't, right. I don't know what that word is. And then it became, I think now where we live, we're still pretty conservative, so you can say what cosplaying is. Then you'll get the people going, oh, that's um, that. when people dress up and go to like Comic Con. That's yeah. always the thing. It's always related to Comic Con too. It's, it's like, always Comic Con. It's always Comic Con. Yeah, every convention is Comic Con. That's just that became no that matter. became the household term, which is Comic Con for any pretty much yeah nerd convention. Uh, so it's also pretty crazy too because I think like cosplay itself started back in the eighties, but it's only been like a few years, and people are like, "Oh, hey, cosplay! I've heard of that." Yes, the whole nerd chic has like grown in this decade. Yeah, it really has. Um, so it's like, because I remember in high school, being a nerd was like, eh. Um, it was not, it wasn't frowned upon, but it wasn't like super popular. And then in like the 2010 and up, it's become, 
it really flourished into being nerd chic. Yeah. Nerd. And then cosplaying grew up from that, and video games are all the rage, and yeah. Well, we've had a huge, well, a huge boom in video games push that i would say also and like i think it's like especially marvel movies and comic book mm-hmm. movies all that stuff i definitely see that i definitely agree with you that only in the past seven or so years like 2010 2000 maybe like 2009 is became actually kind of like a cool thing or something like that yeah yeah I think yeah, part of that just has true. to do with marketing improving on a lot of this stuff. And I think because, it also has to do with a lot of well, movie culture, I have to say. Because there's a lot of these um Yeah, Marvel movies and like yeah, all well, Marvel movies where and then where these actors are like, I'm gonna wear my costume out in public to promote this thing. Which and, actually that, you could pull that back all the way to around like thousand where it's like the X Men movies and Spider Man movies were coming out which were they've had superhero movies before because they've had superman and batman oh, yeah. for the longest time yeah. then when they started coming out with like when fox started coming out with uh fox and sony i guess came out with all their x-men and spider-man movies those ones really hit big and then that kind of staple made a huge huge point uh, turning point in superhero movies and then those just progressively became more and more and just kind of exponentially grew into its own sort of genre now. And yeah. Whenever I hear like in public stories, I always have to mention one of my favorite Johnny Depp stories, actually, is when he was around the corner doing something and this little nine-year-old girl um, sent him a letter asking him her to for, for Jack Sparrow to come mutiny the school. Um, he gave the school ten minutes. He didn't. Wa- he gave them a ten-minute warning and then showed up as Jack Sparrow. Uh, <laughs> I remember hearing that story, but I, I don't. I didn't know about the ten-minute warning thing. That's amazing. Oh, oh yeah, he gave them uh, like to less than ten minutes to just tell them that he was coming, and then he just showed up. <laughs> oh my god! Are you sure the story's not just slowly getting embellished over time? Because I saw I, that making the rounds again. Because I see that make the yeah, rounds that, every that one, that, yeah every couple yeah every little while. I remember it when it first came out, and it, that's that's how I always tell it is how it originally tells, and that's pretty much what it was. He didn't really give the school any warning, but but he had the cooperation of the school. <laughs> well, if Johnny Depp comes by with dressed as Captain Sparrow. That happened a while. That happened a while ago. Yeah, that was like. 10 years ago no maybe not 10 years ago no no that, i think that i think that was like 2012 or something like that it was around the time of the second or third movie yeah well, I think five years ago i think the second movie was coming out when he did that mm-hmm. that's uh, still getting close to 10 years ago now when did the second movie go why did we come on this topic cole why did you bring this up <laughs> i don't know i Wait, how many how like Pirates of the Caribbean movies are there? I lost count after like the third one. Uh, the, the fifth one's, one's coming out. There's the a fifth one oh coming God, out behind. the end of May. But uh, no, but the reason it was because we were talking about how cosplay has become a normal thing now. Oh, and okay, how? I and I think well, because for pop culture, anyways. Well, yeah, for pop culture, and that I'm saying that stuff like Johnny Depp just dressing up in full in full costume and doing that has kind of helped a little bit because they also like doing it at cons. I, here's the thing, though, because I think oh. that that comes down more to marketing, because to Tyler's yeah. point, when they started yeah. going and promoting the X-Men movies and Spider-Man, where were they going and doing that? Because 
they tried marketing superhero movies and granted they were not done well for the most part they were not done as well as what you saw come out of at least the first x-men and the first two spider-man movies Mm-hmm. Went and saw them having a very different approach because when they tried doing uh, the third and fourth Batman movies, for example, which were very high budget, very high concept, although not very well executed in any way whatsoever, nope. they were trying to go and market to general consumer markets. In the case of X Men and Spider Man, they yeah. were trying to go and approach it from a different angle. The place where yes. they were going and promoting that stuff was at places like San Diego Comic-Con and the couple of other satellite conventions that had popped up uh, around that as well nationwide. That's where they were using their primary marketing from. They were trying to go and get particularly kids that were really into it and had watched the Fox uh, Saturday TV shows for yeah, well, uh, those franchises. They were trying to go and market to them. Coming right off like the 90s cartoons, because it came out in the early 2000s. So you had the kids... And who are uh, grew up in the eighties and nineties watching the cartoons? Who are now kind of becoming teenagers, preteens, uh, and they're marketing to yeah the kids to these preteens to go see the movies. And these movies all of a sudden were having uh, a whole lot more references to like the actual comic books and stuff like this. Yeah, they were better referencing the source materials. And especially, I would say, in the case of those two films, the emotional levels of the comics. Because mm-hmm. X-Men was very much a political film when it came to marginalization of uh, minorities and whatnot. And in the case uh, of Spider-Man... gay people. Yeah. I mean, it was closer to being gays than anything. Hey, whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever. And in the case of Spider-Man, it was, you know, a in a lot of respects, coming of age story that a lot of yeah. you know, young kids have always identified with. Yeah. So they approached it from a different side of things. And that's also part of the reason I think that Comic-Cons ended up blowing up because both of those films were huge successes because of the way they marketed it. And now look at where we are, you know, 15 years later. And, um, Hey guys, uh, Comic-Cons no longer for nerds anymore. It's, uh, yeah, it's no a big marketing deal. <laughs> yeah, pretty like, much. What else came out? Hulk came out around then too. So like the yeah, Hulk yeah, the Hulkley movie in two thousand four, I want to say. So you had Daredevil came out there around two thousand three. There's a lot of things that came out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah so trying Hulk, to capture that. <laughs> uh, like X Men came out in two thousand. Spider Man came out in two thousand two. Uh, then Hulk came out in two thousand three. Daredevil came out in two thousand three, and it, all of a sudden, a whole lot of these superhero Marvel movies are coming out because they're becoming a trend. It's catching on. Well, that and the fact that Marvel was, you know, basically going and selling their movie rights assets because they were in such financial trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The company that scroll- almost went out of business. Paid off. Bet it all on Iron Man. Thank God that worked out for him. But yeah, sc- but yeah, scrolling back to what we were talking about, though, going back to EliteCon. Yeah. Uh, true, I can understand where a lot of the supposed, like, where a lot of people see this as the most important thing in the world just because now that's what it is. That's what a lot of people would think it is, which is free yeah. speech and everything like that. But considering the fact that so many people are failing to realize that this con has always been non cosplay free, has been cosplay free. Yeah. Like, people just need to remember that. And 
it's the cosplay's choice. It's the con, sorry, the con's choice. And like, I can understand if they gave a reason, like if, if for some reason it was like a 10 year con and then finally they're like, or something big had happened and they're like, okay, we're not doing cosplay this year. Yeah. Like if like damages happen to the property or to a person there, they, they would have the right to decide like, okay, yeah, maybe cosplay at our event isn't a good idea. But I like, and also think- for these guys that, as well, though, they're also saying it's like, okay, this is the reason, like, they have they have a reason, like, why they don't do cons, like, they yeah. don't do cosplay, because there's like, this reason, this reason, this reason, and so we've never done cosplay for the for our convention, because we're a serious right. convention. Yeah, and the blah, 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 blah. I think what it, so, I think what it is, it's, it's in the name, like, if they had changed the name to, like, Tampa, Florida Comic Show or Trade Show, it wouldn't even interest cosplayers at all. Oh, right? yeah, totally. I definitely like, agree with that, but it's also limiting your marketability, especially considering, and they've responded to this stuff, because, you know, that's a big argument going around the internet right now. Well, why didn't oh, they just have yeah. a different name? You're limiting your marketability, though. I mean, really, when you think about it, it still is a convention. It might not be the way that a lot of cosplayers think about it, but it's, it not, your t- it's not your definition. typical pop culture convention, definitely. Yeah, exactly. But I so, think what it is, I think that I honestly think I know this is a really unpopular opinion, but I think it's a smart move for them to say, "Hey, they're posting on their events page saying, "Hey, no cosplay allowed." Like, cause if you think about it, say like you're a cosplayer and you hear about this, you're like, "Oh, wow, hey, I want to go to this. This is in my area. I get to dress up." You show up at the event and they're like saying, "Hey, sorry, you can't come in because you're dressed up for cosplay." I think it's a good idea that they warn you, or remind you beforehand saying like hey you guys if you show up in cosplay we can't let you through we can't let you in the event well isn't that part of the point that that they talked about i thought that was like part of the what they were saying it was like no offense and it's just like yeah and trying to remind you if you show up in costume you'll you'll be turned away yeah and people are people are hearing one thing and then interpreting it as another they think that they're alienating cosplayers there that it's not a welcome thing it's like at the same time it's like, yeah, it's not exactly welcome at this event. It's not saying like, hey, the community of of Tampa, Florida, we don't want you cosplayers here. It's not that at all. It's just the fact that looking at this actual event, it's not your typical convention where you get to cosplay. There are panels. You get to meet guests. It's literally basically a one-day, very expensive toy store. Basically, yeah. I mean, this is their open invitation uh, that has recently been taken down on their Facebook page, I think, because of a lot of the public pressure going on online. Yeah. So this is their invitation to everybody. Are you an advanced collector of certified and raw comics, toys, Legos, pop and pop culture related artwork? Have you scoured at or have you scoured on a yeah, have you soured? Wow, I cannot talk today. Have you soured on attending modern media driven conventions because they often have too few quality items you're looking for? Do you enjoy the hassle of long lines, cosplayers, crowded aisles and endless rows of stuff you have no interest in buying? Well, as col- her as collectors, other as collectors ourselves, we don't either. What if there was a convention where the vendors were hand selected because of the quality of their merchandise? What if you're collecting? Her, what if you're collecting interests were known to those vendors ahead of time so that they could better tailor their show uh, show inventory to you? What if everyone attending the convention was also a serious collector with similar interests, and you were free to network, trade, buy, and sell with them? What if is now? What is? Welcome to EliteCon. I mean, it this says very like, clearly what it is. 
This yeah. is comic book. This is comic book master race. This is this is exactly <laughs> from that that dis, what you just described are the people that were going to Comic Con for the comic books who are all pissed off because now Comic Con is no longer about comic books. This is them starting their own convention again, and they're yeah. banning like cosplay and and media from coming into it. Yeah. Essentially, what Elite Con is, it's basically the dealer's hall of a convention. Except that's it. That's that's the convention right there is the dealer's hall where they have a lot of like comic books and memorabilia that you can buy if you have the money for it. And that's yeah. what Comic Con was. That's what it started as was a was a comic book swap meet that people would go there to trade and buy and sell comic books and such. And then the media got inside and then started producing all this stuff. And there are no comic book places in Comic Con. Thing that it's meant for. If you ever go talk to anyone who does sell comic books at Comic Con, if you can go find the small corner that they've been shoved into, they will d- tell you how pissed off about it they are. And this is them now going making their own thing because they're, yeah, and they're, oh, man, naming an elitist is because they want to be the elitist. That's exactly what it is. It's comic book master race, just like PC master race. Exactly. Man, that's, oh, wow. Yeah, that, I mean, like, everything I, is clear from that description. Exactly. And it's like, why? This is my problem with so much of this internet stuff. And I still consider myself an internet person. It's like that one, <laughs> that one statement right there, their own mission statement tells you exactly what this is. But then again, also, the internet does not like to do its research. Oh, yeah, you know, that's very clear. No, now, now, Cole, this is where you can say that's ironic. Because access to information. Now that makes it ironic. Okay. But yeah, Yeah. this whole thing about Elitecon, it's blown out of proportion. And just to put it, just put it briefly, it's it's an event meant for comic book fans, not so much comic book cosplayers. Yeah. It's not even comic book fans, it's comic book collectors. Yeah. Right, excuse me, comic book collectors. Yeah, if you called them fans, you'd be like, excuse me, I'm a collector. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's like the stereotypical Simpsons nerd guy. Oh yeah. my god. Convention is <laughs> those guys. Well, that, that is an excellent way of looking at it, Tyler. This is a convention for comic book guys. Yeah. They're probably, they're probably like, yeah, this is the real Comic-Con guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably exactly what they say. No, and what I'm seeing, I... I'm actually scared to go back onto Facebook and look because I was on their page earlier and seeing some of the comments that were being dropped on their page. Oh, my God. People are vile. Well, it is the Internet. I know, I know. But I'm like, oh, oh my God, really? Over all the problems there are in the world, I'm helping to go and set up wells in Africa. And I'm going and seeing people going and posting about this shit. Like, really? And it's, this they're is always the best they're, use of your time. Yeah, and it's just they're they're using that time to comment on like posts they have that are irrelevant to what you know they're commenting. Like um, they were saying, like uh, ElitCon, uh, they were mentioning things about they were making posts about um, how they were saying, like, "Hey, you guys, we don't we're not sure where you guys are getting this re- non-refundable uh, passes information from, but we're not." That's a complete lie and all other stuff. And people are just commenting like, oh, well, can I show up in cosplay? And just to like try to like 
just to try to like provoke them and it's just like guys you know yeah get over it i i haven't seen anything that shows me that they're being uncivil i mean there's still a post on the facebook page or at least there was earlier today like i said i'm scared to go back on considering some of the language i saw it's like post about the cosplay thing yeah exactly but reading on there earlier today they're going and saying that or they were going and saying that Nobody that has paid for a pass has requested a refund on there. Nobody will be denied a refund. There will not be any day zero can or we will not go and uh, hold anybody to any ze- or day zero cancellation policy rules. Yeah, like, they're being very civil about this, from what I can tell. And maybe there's some private messages going around that are going and flaring people up. I don't know, but everything I'm seeing publicly, I'm like, I understand I'm why to be as civil as possible. That, that's just it. I understand why people would be upset about the fact that, oh, well, I can't cosplay at this thing now. Uh, maybe like that changes my plan for this. But it's like they're being really pretty fair about this from what I can tell. And it's just unfortunate. I know yeah. part of this is the Internet, but really, guys, we're we're supposed to be good stewards with this stuff. You know, we're supposed yeah. to be good to each other. That's Cosplay is supposed to be this inclusive thing. It's supposed to be just fun for everybody. Not and anymore. Part, yeah. And, and this is why we started the podcast, because we're trying to go and bring some of this stuff into perspective. And this is just... This is just wrong, guys. I It kills me. It just kills me. I know I'm rambling, really? but this this is truly one of the most disheartening things I've ever seen because now I'm going and seeing people going and planning protests of this convention and going and people showing are boycotting it, it people are, yeah. they're just sharing it for the sake of not so much to get people interested in the event but to get them interested in boycotting the event that has nothing to do with them as yeah. cosplayers mm-hmm it, this is everything I hate about conventions what's going on right now is everything I hate about them Pretty much, uh, yeah. Because yeah. it also diminishes when a convention really does something wrong. You know, yeah. we've, we've harped on AkiCon here several times, and the criticism there, for the is most legit. part, <laughs> is legitimate. I mean, but when we, you have something like this going on here, it diminishes what conventions do when they do bad. Because yeah. it just comes off like everybody's whining. Yeah, like, we make fun of the fact that it was, like, KatsuCon is DestroyCon, or or it was like, why does the rate go up every year? Like, like we we joke about it, and because it's true, and we laugh about it. It's still a good convention, but there's just stupid people that go to the conventions that break stuff. Yeah. This year, credit to the crew. (laughs) Actually, this year, I remember seeing this on Twitter and on Instagram. Apparently, someone had spray-painted, I guess, a prop piece or whatever, and you can see the outlines of the spray-paint. On the stair, the stairwell of one of the hotels. I can't remember which one it was, oh, but it was it was shared through uh, Cosplay in America's page. There was oh, also God. a tweet about someone leaving a hundred pounds of gummy bears in the hotel hallway. Oh yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> I'm still trying to confirm that one. The spray paint thing, though, at least from the uh, Gaylord Hotels. That's the one it was from. Yeah. Yeah, they because last year with what happened uh, when Sam originally was filling us in on everything and we saw all the pictures of the damage going on there, I reached out to the hotel and went and got her and they went and sent a press release to us and got us some good information on that. I emailed them this year and they said 
they had no or they had nothing that they could confirm about that here. Okay. So I'm actually not convinced that it really happened. I think it might have been one of those things that just went viral that somebody started up. I, if the hotel isn't confirming it, I just don't know if I believe it's true. Oh, yeah. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, how many that, times? The fact that it's like Katsukon is like the center of all this co- like convention crazy shit. It's just like, what did Katsukon do to get this? Like, what I have they done? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah. No, that's that's just it. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that I want to be talking about here because that's cosplayers doing, or not even cosplayers, but convention goers doing something wrong that's hurting the convention, and something like what's going on with the con here. It's like, why is that necessary? Nobody, yeah, nobody that should be attending this convention should care. Yeah, it's it's ignorance that's going after it. And it's also funny how it's like. A majority of the people sharing the whole um, EliteCon thing, they're nowhere near Florida. Like, why are you sharing this? You're not going there. Your friends aren't going there. So why the hell do you care? Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. But we see this every year with the, oh, God, what is it called? Um, God, the, the Canadians probably remember this one. Uh, it's like the Toronto comics art show or something like that i think i know what you're talking about i can't yeah, remember they, the name because they've started restricting a lot of cosplay stuff because of the event space that they're in they're yeah making things to the same extreme that quite honestly i think that emerald city comic-con should and starting to restrict where you can go and cosplay because of the way that the event center is set up and just the sheer amount of moving traffic going through Right. For liability reasons, they've started limiting where you can go and cosplay. They haven't banned it outright, but they've started changing the rules for it. It's kind of like and, with PAX, how like they're basically take over all of downtown Seattle. Like they like use the uh, the area's hotels to host like panels, cosplay events, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with Emerald City, like that should have been a thing a while ago because Emerald City is such a huge con in Seattle that it's yeah. like it's it's second to PAX. That's yeah. how big it is. No, it's. Uh, I know this is kind of getting off subject from what we're talking about, you know, with Elite Con, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> does, does anybody here, and I would say that we're all fairly serious with, you know, our craft when it comes to cosplay, you know, not going for professional levels like Mama Samu or anything, but yeah, we're You're all still doing ra- backbreaking yeah. art like me. Yeah, that, that's just it. I mean, you literally are breaking your back, but that's a whole other story. Um, <clears throat> disc. But would anybody here say that restricting at least where cosplay of certain types can be readily done, do we think that that's necessarily a bad thing for the sake of a convention? Hell no. Where it can be done. I don't know. It'd be... I mean, also, like, I, I want to retract my statement because it usually depends on where the staff is putting cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would have a problem if they were just all forced into one corner or something like that or never allowed to enter any of the convention space. It's like, oh, you can do yeah. it out here in the back park, but you can't do it inside of the building. But, you know, restrictions. I mean, if they, had, they used, like, a few of the rooms or wherever or just, like, any extended area like whether it's like deeper into the convention space to say like hey you know you get to use this place to like take photos do photo shoots whatever that'd be that'd be perfectly fine because it's like they're not kicking us out they're not telling us hey your costume's too big you have to go change 
Like they're not, they're not trying to take away our, our decision or I don't really want to say our right to cosplay, but essentially, you know, that's essentially what it is. They're not trying to take that away. They're just trying to like get the traffic flow just a little bit easier because it's like you mentioned, Rob, that, sorry. No, 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 no. It's, it's me being stupid. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. It's like how Rob said, it's like our convention space in the, in Seattle, it's, it's not meant for cosplayers at all. It's it's not architecturally meant for us. Okay, now I'm done. Yeah. Okay, what are you going to say, Cole? And it also seems like they're trying to also worry about like fire mar- pissing off the fire marshal. If you, if oh, you, if you think about that, that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's always a thing, though. That's because yeah. that's safety. If it's getting in the way of safety, then it's problem oh yeah if it gets in the way of safety then yeah they have every right to be like hey you guys gotta get out of here now yeah i don't know yeah, at least it's, it's not uh, like and people jumping in the elevators i i like i like seeing uh cosplayers all around the place where you can just run into them randomly but like i don't know how much they can control it or put people where like if if it's causing problems then yeah i guess change it but if not i don't know it's uh, yeah. I don't. I, I I like seeing co- costumes all over the place, and I've never had a problem them being in the way or doing things. But like, that's what happens when if people do, they do have. Oh, what is it? They have areas blocked off where you can't get photos taken. Yeah. Um, so they kind of have a thing set up already, where. They have intersections where, yeah, you just can't get photos taken in these areas because Travis got to move through them, um, yeah. and that's all. The or they don't want such. them, or or they don't want stuff being wrecked. Like I know, like outside, for example, they have like the rocks, for example, at soccer car. Oh, they don't want not being wrecked. They want stuff being climbed because uh, people would climb the rocks and the trees, and then you have people climbing trees and they fall and they hurt themselves, and and that could be a potential lawsuit. Mm. Yeah. There's no it's potential not. about it. That has been a lawsuit. Oh, it has? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about this. Oh, yeah, no, no. They're, they, Soccer Con in particular, I mean, they get lawsuits every single year, and most of them go away, because it's like, how dumb are you? You know, every time there's something, they go and put a little addendum uh, into, uh, oh, God, what, 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 what do they call it? It's not terms of use. It's the... Um, Terms of conditioning, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah terms of conditions, yeah. <laughs> so you know, when you go and buy a pass to soccer con in particular, what you're going and doing is you're not buying admission into an event, you're becoming a member of the organization running it, and there's certain guidelines that go along with that. That's the reason why a also, lot of these mm-hmm. also the uh the money you get you give for the attendance, it goes to it's basically a donation. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a charity event, it really is. I think that's something people don't realize, like SakuraCon, because I remember, I think it was something along the lines with this, how they changed from the single day passes to just a weekend pass, because, like, I think it was, like, either tax or law or something like that. Well, it's and- because when they went into Irv, there was a change. God, what, what year was that? Was that... That was 2009 or 2010 uh, yeah, when they did that. Yeah, and the reason for that was because the IRS had reestablished on how 501c3 organizations like ANSIA, the uh, Asian Northwest Cultural Education Association, uh, they changed the way that they're classified. So they could no longer go and do 
admission based uh, uh, admission based uh, entry and registration. Yeah. yeah. So what they had to do is they actually needed to go and open up that for this kind of event that you were going and buying a temporary membership to the organization. And that's the way that they were able to get around it for tax reasons on there. Otherwise, yeah. they'd have to put themselves into a whole different uh, classification. And that that's the kind of thing where if you need to get reclassified for one of those deals. That's going to be expensive. Well, you're already an existing organization, and the way the IRS rules are set up, there would be a whole lot of redistricting that would have to go along with it. You'd have to go and um, – it's not redistricting. Hang, reclassification that would go on there. You'd have to change all your legal forms. You'd have to go and contact every member uh, that's been associated with it in the previous 10 years. That's the kind of thing that bankrupts a lot of these organizations. Oh, boy. And that's the reason why a lot of them just change this stuff. And I think that's the kind of information that people – especially with us in the Pacific Northwest, we need to hear because people are still complaining about, oh, SakuraCon, you can only buy the weekend weekend badge, and that's it. Yeah. It's like, guys, if they could offer it another way and still be able to... That's a lot of cans in the background there. Sorry. What is going on? Cole, Cole, is your recording station just nothing but beer cans now? No. (laughs) Probably pop cans. It's pop cans. It's pop cans. It's uh, Cole doesn't have a job, so he's become a bum and just pop cans out of garbages. That's I, not true. <laughs> Goddamn, they make a lot of money and way more than you currently are. So, so, yeah, so what you're telling Jesus me Christ. is, so what you're telling me is, you've basically become a squatter in our own recording studio. Yep. I'm not no, going to lie. That's, no that's some dedication right there. I mean, he could no have found comment. any other hobble in the void, and he chose he chose our unfinished recording studio to what go. We need any other hobble. Okay, every, we got a church that's fallen down or something. We've got a monster truck that's on cinder blocks. It's a limo that's like completely wrecked now. We have a labyrinth that's got some kind of mystical beast in there, and that's hidden in uh, the custodian's closet. Ninjas, uh, <laughs> zombies, whatever you want to call them, zombie ninjas. Clearly, this is Where the, the best heck place. You guys live. <laughs> well, I feel like we've uh, we've done this subject. Uh, we talk about this one as far as we can. Um, properly slam the plane into the ground. Uh, I mean, we all survived, so hey. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it, it was a good discussion. I feel like I, I, I'm hoping the people out there in Radio Land have enjoyed this. Uh, that being said, uh, since uh, Melissa, you have not seen GTO. Uh, is that correct? I have not. I've heard of it, but I haven't actually gotten into it. Okay, uh, you communist. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and Cole uh, probably didn't do his assignment and go and watch I it. I didn't even know there was an assignment. Uh, oh, there's, there's an assignment every month. There's there's an assignment I didn't every know, month. Fine, then. I didn't know what the assignment was. Nobody. Well, you didn't ask your classmates, and that's why you get a failing grade. Yep, that's right. That's right. So, and this is why I go... hated. Te- this is why I hated ninety percent of my teachers growing up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, ninety percent. Hate... Well, that kind of sounds like the majority of them were teaching the same way. So it was probably you and not them. Yeah. Well, screw them. Yep. Yep. Well, I can agree with that. Guess what? Ugh, the great teacher Rob here is going to put you two into study hall, and by that I mean have fun in the janitor's closet slash labyrinth. We are going to talk about Tyler's anime book club. Get in there! Oi! Oi! Me. Help me! Oi! So, anyway, they are now locked in the janitor's closet, so Tyler, you may begin this any way you so choose. 
Oh, well then, it's only the two of us, and well, I guess that's who made it to the book club this year, this month. Um, it is time for Tyler's Anime Book Club. It's like a book club, but with anime. Um, we decided you picked you picked this one. You picked uh, GTO Great Teacher Onizuko. Onizuka? Onizuko. Onizuka. Onizuka. It's with an A. That's right. Onizuka. Uh, Great Teacher Onizuka. Uh, it's an anime that apparently everyone's heard about. It is one of my top five favorite animes. I know the animation style has not aged well, but... Nothing from the 90s has aged well. No. It, it looks dated, because every anime from that era is dated to that yeah. um well, it's, but it's when it was it was when it was all hand drawn and let's be honest here they the japanese were not the best when it came to things like technicolor inks and whatnot i guess not i don't know it's it's a different time different time but like for you you like old anime you you like I grew up in it. <laughs> I know. So you like a lot of animes that are like from the nineties and look old. Like when I watch them, I'm like, this is probably an anime Rob really likes. Uh, I always like new stuff because I like learning new things. So even anime now compared to anime that used to be, I'll go watch new stuff. Um, but that being said, with this, even though it looked dated, you could still you could still watch it pretty easily. Yeah, like. I don't know if that's a really a problem if people have problems watching dated anime that looks dated as what it was uh, because the writing for it or like the yeah I guess the writing for it that's normally what happens is like the writing is a little weird because it's from a different time and sometimes it only had English dubbed or or other than subbed like if you grew up with it with dubbed English dubbed uh, the way it was dubbed would have been completely very poor like every most anime was back then was poorly dubbed um i watched it all subbed and yeah. it seemed um I, don't know, I didn't i didn't have any problems with the writing or anything um because that's another thing that happens is where it doesn't hold up where the jokes it uses are sort of also dated uh because anime tropes have changed over the time for how much it's grown too so but I, yeah, no, I, I started watching it and I kept on watching it. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I'd give it like a seven. Like, it's good. Really? Um, only a seven? I don't know. It's, uh, well, never really grabbed all. Like, that's, that's my average rating is a seven. It's not like. Oh, it's not, it's not a bad rating at all. It's just, I'm yeah. actually kind of surprised that it's not a little bit higher on there. Higher than a seven? Yeah, I don't know. It it held my attention. I watched it. I enjoyed it. There's parts that made me laugh. Um, and you got to learn about each character. Uh, what I found weird, uh, I'll go into the full detail of a lot of characters, is there is the, like, okay, for the people at home that don't know what it's about, it's about a, a former gang leader uh, and it's the like the stereotypical biker gang of Japan, where they have uh, their biker gangs. They had the uh, pompadours. They had the long jackets and baggy pants, and um, 
he was the a very famous leader of a biker gang, uh, very strong, but he's not very smart at all. But he decided to become a teacher because he thought it'd be cool. I think that's the whole plot behind it. Is like there wasn't really a reason why he became a teacher. He just thought it would be cool to become a teacher. Oh, no, no, no. It, it was because it, he was dealing with a lot of ennui. He was getting older. He was into his 30s. And he's just gotten tired of beating up punks. And he's one of those guys that is secretly longing for an actual relationship, but he could never put up with being with somebody his own age. Oh, yeah, he's still a virgin and everything, too. Yeah, exactly. So he saw this young, cute high school girl just falling all over her teacher and came up with the brilliant plan. <gasps> I need to be like that guy. Oh, become a teacher and then get yourself a young girl, a young high school girl. Um, I guess so. That was part of, part of the plot of why he did that, just to get a girl. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was his entire starting motivation. And then he ended yeah. up in middle school. <laughs> yeah. No, he was a, he's a delinquent. He himself is a delinquent. And it is... It's actually no. It's actually a good plot because it's it's the plot of a very uh, off the book kind of uh, um, the hell is it? A teacher that doesn't play by the rules, who does things differently, is then put in charge of the delinquent class that has caused every other teacher to go and leave on stress or. Uh, I don't think they. I don't think anyone ever died, but it's just like each teacher that every teacher that's been in charge of this class had to leave because they had mental breakdowns. Yep. Um, and so he's like the this up and cunning teacher who's now in charge of the that class, the delinquent class, and he himself is a delinquent and he doesn't play the, by the books. And so it's a whole lot of I guess coming by age, and then the whole anime is just him dealing with each uh, class member and dealing with whatever problem is what's causing them to be kind of be a delinquent. Um, opposed to... It was, it was, you see movies like that all the time, though. Um, like, I'm trying to think of every other movie that's kind of like that. It's it's a become a pretty common plot. Um, no, I certainly won't argue that, but it's the approach to it. Because, yeah, I mean, there's movies like Stand and Deliver where you have something like that that's going on and you've got just this teacher that's intimidating the students or trying to go and focus their attention into something different. This guy just doesn't give a shit what the students think of him. Well, just, yeah, no, because he, he himself yeah. is a punk and he's just like, he's, well, it, it it shows the example of like the very first episode, like the pilot episode, he's in charge of an actual class, like a high school class. Yeah. And then they pull a prank on him. That's really bad. Um, and then he deals with it in a situation, uh, very punk, like where he eventually goes to classmates house or a student's house and like rips down one of the walls with a sledgehammer. Seems out of context, but go watch it. and It'll become in contents. But then when he gets in charge of this class, it's really odd because he walks in there and he acts like a punk because he gets he hears about them being a trouble class. So he goes all, treats it like a gang leader. 
Uh, and then he walks in there, and then they're all nice because the way they are a delinquent class is not through the basically being delinquents. They outthink him in every way, and that's the thing. Is like they're all smarter than him, um, and so they try to outthink him. But then they do stuff, and then he just kind of gets he overreacts to situations. But then once the shit hits the fan, he just basically stands up and goes all um, I don't know because he's whiny and he's kind of whiny and kind of dumb and freaks out about things but then when the situation happens he, he kind of bucks up and shifts his character type back to the gang leader style where he's just a man where well that also talks about like what a man would do so he doesn't have regrets he doesn't worry about uh those kind of problems of images he just goes well this is what a man has to do he's got to settle his debts and uh if he can't handle it then you're not a man so yeah yeah, yeah. He, he has a very school of hard knocks approach when it comes to everything and part yeah. of what's different from him from a lot of these other characters uh particularly in movies that have done this kind of thing is that a lot of them try to go and focus and redirect either the kid's aggression or try to go and engage their passions and whatnot. Onizuka is a different case because like you said, the kids are smarter than he is. Yeah. It's not that they lack focus or drive or anything like that. It's that they're aimless. They don't know what to do with their lives or they think that they need to go out of their way to do all these bad things or they, find themselves connected to a bad situation. They go and do something wrong. Onizuka's thing is not about trying to go and correct their behavior or anything like that. He saves them. That's the way that he's always approaching these situations. And it changes the way the kids act. It changes the way that they look at the world because they see this deviant factor that none of them ever thought was possible. Just Yeah, they the, don't the understand. One girl, yeah. what he is yeah. uh, I'd, I'd say well yeah because he basically they don't see him as a teacher yeah they don't see him as a teacher uh, but then that makes him more relatable to them because that's the whole big subplot is they don't trust teachers because they were all um, don't want to spoil it a little bit but there something happened to them from a previous teacher and then they lost trust in basically adults and teachers in general and so he comes in and you that that's brought up quite a bit is like Onuzuka isn't like the rest of the teachers. He's kind of his own thing. And then that makes them start to realize who he is from what through the series of events. And then they, they become, they find him more endearing than anything. Uh, and then they get yeah, relatable and they can actually like have a teacher that they can relate to and talk to opposed to, other kind of teacher which is just the uh authority figure which is what a lot of japan are yeah oh no you're good but yeah yeah say what you're yeah, gonna say i mean that th there's so many things that go on in that show and i mean all of them would have had him arrested a long time ago i mean this is not a realistic situation but yeah it's he has such an endearing quality about him. And even though the show does portray real world consequences to a lot of actions, 
none of them ever do anything with it because of what they're seeing, what they're learning. There's a blonde-haired girl in there, and I will not go and spoil any of the story stuff in there, but the four or five episode story arc that goes around her. I mean, he legitimately found himself in hot water as a result of what he did, but because of what she got out of it, everything was just let go. And she's constantly playing with him <laughs> yes. as a result of that. Well, um, she's also like apparently super smart. Like, Oh yeah. No, I mean, she's, she's smart. totally blackmailing him the rest of the series for what he did, but yeah. She's fallen in love with this authority figure who's actually there for her in a different way than anybody she's ever met beyond family, beyond other school relationships. And I don't, and when I say fall in love, I mean that in a totally platonic way. This is not I one of those. It could be a literal way because I think she, he's the only one who's ever actually like treated her like a human being because everyone else kind of tiptoes around her because of how smart she is. And she wants to be treated just like any other person, but people always treat her with like she is since she was so smart, um, treated her like an eye, like something upon a pedestal. And so no one like an idol. Yeah. yeah. And he's the only one that was like, I don't care. I don't care if you're smart. I mean, I'm going to just be me. And I think that's why she, I could almost say that she, uh, more than platonic, she actually probably could fall in love with him in that sense. Because he's the only other person who ever, like, treated her not like a brain, but like just a person. And then you see that all the time with everything, how she plays around with him. Where the way she plays with him and makes jokes about him to do stuff is almost in a much... Uh, more closer relationship than anything. Uh, but then you can see that he understands that too, and he always plays along with it. But then there are situations where something happens and he just goes, nope, uh, this is no no longer a time to be joking around. It gets all um, stoic again. Uh, yeah, because he has like two, he's different moods and situations. Like he knows when he's joking around and having fun, but then there are situations where he becomes serious. And that also happens when she's joking with him, where a situation turns from joking to serious and she just wants to continue joking. But then he goes, no, this is no longer a thing. Yeah, you, you probably, you remember some of those episodes, don't oh, you? Oh, God. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've been rewatching the whole thing. I mean, there's, it, he does have these. I can't call it a multitude of personalities, but he has so many different modes that he goes into depending on what the situation is. He's a very versatile character because it never really feels forced. You know, there's some characters where it's like, oh, this is their personality 90% of the time. And then, oh, cute anime girl. Oh, hello there. You know, like so many of these shallow characters do with this guy. Yeah, he has kind of like three basic modes that go along with him because there's his... I don't care mode, his buddy buddy mode, and then his serious mode. Yeah. But even that's kind of fractured up into multiple settings on there. I, there's yeah, there, there's no, a there's a great moment involving a uh, a blimp, a skyscraper, a window, and guys in masks. 
Yeah, that shit. Just, that's insane. Oh, that, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in anime. I made an AMV because of that moment. <laughs> like, yeah, I wanted everybody to see that. Trope, and he, like, does the thing. And he's there, and she's like, oh, you're here to save me. I'm like, no, I'm not here to save you. You tried to kill me. Or what did she do to him? She framed him or tried to kill him? Yeah, or yeah, tried to frame you. Tried to get me fired. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going to save you. I'm here to watch. But, <laughs> yeah, so he's he's also kind of an asshole because, well, he was, he was a delinquent, a gang leader, and that's just what he is. That's who yeah. he is. So he's got some really... And yeah, apparently he's really strong, and that's how he became that. And he's really crazy, but he he knows what he's doing too. Yeah, um, no, he he teaches through experience rather than leading by example or being book smart. He grew up on the streets, which is something you learn in the early years manga. If you decide to go that far, it's not in the anime. So I mean, I'm kind of uh, reaching I think a little it's bit. Pretty in implied though. It, it's is. heavily implied in there, and you get you get little snippets of who he used to be. And I'm not going to spoil any of that because seriously, I love that manga so much. There were plans to go and make it into an anime, but then the live action movie was a bust, so they decided not to go and do that, which is just such a shame. A uh, live action movie is always a bust. I, with the exception of Cromartie High School, for some reason that one worked, but that's that's another story altogether. That's okay. the only one that really could work anyway. Hey, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Onizuka, he teaches through experience. I mean, whether it's, you know, I'm going to make you learn fear or, you know, I'm going to let these guys go as far as they can. I'm going to make you ask for help since you're clearly yeah. too proud to go and do it. Maybe you need to be at the verge of death for that to be a factor. There were a whole lot of heavy aspects to it, too. Like, you learn about some of the kids and how they all, um, a good chunk of them had traumatic experiences in their life. And that kind of shaped them to why they are. Um, like, there's the one, the first character you meet, like, the first student you meet who attempts suicide, like, twice. Yeah. Um, and what I found weird is, like, you see him, and he becomes, like, the only person who actually is friends with Onizuka at the very beginning, and then all of a sudden the other characters start becoming friends with him, and then he sort of just disappears. I'm like, what happened to him? I haven't seen him in a long time. And then he kind of pops back in a little bit. I'm like, oh, he's back again. Uh, And then him and the other really smart guy, uh, you see them as being friends quite a bit. And then you see once the smart girl comes in, she probably replaces him, because then it's, like, the two smart kids become this like side characters of like analyzing all the situations that are going on and they can always figure everything out before everyone else but they're just like they're more for the audience to the uh for them to clarify everything to like oh this is what's happening and they just look at each other and like yeah it's like this and they just confide in each other of being really smart and realizing the whole situations that that happening but just let it pan out um but which was that whole blimp window tower thing was the cause of like the really smart one. That was her fault because she's sort of an extremist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But then it also brings back again, like it brings back the characters from the very beginning. And it's kind of weird where they have the two characters, the one who are like, the one who was picking on the other one and causing them to causing him to commit suicide. And then all of a sudden you learn about her past and it's like, well, she only picked on them because that's how 
she understands affection, I guess, because Basically. she was also she was her brother was physically assaulted by her dad. And that made her brother physically assault her. She basically started taking that on him. And so all of a sudden, yeah, I don't know. It's some weird mental stuff. Lots of mental and trauma stuff in the for every student as well. So, yeah. 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 It's all of those elements really are what I love so much about the show because the way that they went and did the narration for it, with the exception of a couple of moments, it never really felt forced. Everything just felt very organic to that world and the way that they went and approached these, you know, real world uh, circumstances that I think a lot of Japanese students probably do need to deal with, you know, just all culminating in one classroom. How many, how many episodes were there again? Uh, 41, I want to say. Okay, maybe that's why I didn't feel forced because it didn't feel rushed. Like yeah. because uh, every, every, basically every character did get like their own arc. Like it was exactly. never no character really got left out. It was like this person gets an arc, and it, it wasn't just a one episode arc. It was a couple of episodes. So the whole fact that they had forty two episodes gave them enough time to make it not feel forced because they could get into it have a couple episodes to talk about the the arc for that particular uh, student and then kind of resolve it. Um, and that was the whole flow of the anime. It was like a situation happened. You learn, then you just basically start the checklists are going off between each student and going through their little arc. Like even... Uh, God, even one of these side characters you start to learn about too... Because there's like the blonde-haired kid, and he has his two entourage guys, and you learn about at least one of them. Um, yeah, and he's like, his situation is found. Oh, that also has to do with the same arc as like the tower and the blimp and the other girl. Yeah, yeah, that is because he goes missing, and they're like, "Where did he go?" And they think he committed suicide, but instead, that was just a ploy by someone else. And he just went and started working because he owed money. And that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, interview. yeah, okay, yeah, it's well-written. Yeah, I'd say it was well-written, too. Yeah. So that's, it. you can tell that this is one that it wasn't just an executive committee at an animation company trying to go and figure out a two season slate of episodes or something like that based off of a manga. You could really tell that there was a lot of effort put into this and adapting the original work over to a really well put together anime. It just captured all of the best elements and managed to bring it in in a way that, yeah, didn't feel forced. It didn't feel rushed. But it also didn't feel like they were trying to shove in a lot of extra content or trying to make something marketable for merchandising or anything like that. Because God knows there's no little token or trinket you want to get out of this. I don't think that was really a thing back then, was it? Oh, it, it totally was. I mean, you know, I think we've experienced it more now with merchandising stuff, like with Full Metal Alchemist, Naruto, and all that. But there were still shonen comics that were going and coming out around that time. And there were animes being developed off of them. I mean, look at Dragon Ball Z, for God's sakes. I mean, that's, well, I should just say the Dragon Ball franchise as a whole. I mean, that far pre-exists. Uh, ETO. 
And look at all the merchandise that was coming out for that stuff, even going back into the 90s. I guess, because uh, it started as Dragon Ball. It's, it's evolved completely over from what it used to be. Like, if True. you think, if you compare Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Super now, it's just like, no, they're, they're, they're oh, yeah. completely different things. Totally um, are, but I mean, it still doesn't go and change on how much merchandise and whatnot was being right, developed yeah. for it. I mean, that was the franchise. Like, I think of, like, how long has One Piece been going for? A uh, few years before GTO, I think. <laughs> yeah. And it's still going, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a uh, quite a thing. But, like, I guess a thing is with GTO is I was able to watch all of it and not. Yeah, that's the problem I have is, like, it's hard for me to watch dated stuff, things that look old. And but I was able to watch all of it and. It, I get. I guess it did hook me. It, it kept me watching, like, because I didn't. I didn't watch it in a full sitting, like most stuff that I binge. So I sort of paced it out quite a bit, but I did watch a f- more than one episode at a time. So I'd watch maybe two to three episodes, then I paced that over out over I think about a week, week and a bit. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't two weeks after we decided that was the thing that you sent that message going and saying that you'd finished it. Well, well, no, I think it took about two weeks to watch. Because, um, like, I think when we d- recorded the next week after we said this is what we're watching, I was about halfway done. <laughs> so that gave me a week to watch, and then I took another week, and then I was done it. So, yeah, it was 42 episodes. It was always, like, two seasons. It's a long, a long haul of anime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I guess it kept me gross. Uh, I learned about every character, and I get oh, that also makes you get invested in them. Uh, you get invested in Onizuka. Um, he never comes off as like annoying. It's good. No. Because you could so very easily make him come off as annoying from being kind of dumb and doing dumb stuff all the time. But like, he's not dumb, he's just uh, not passionate. Smart. Um, but he's just sort of, I guess, passionate. He likes, he always, he goes to, he's sort of perverted and he likes girls and likes drinking and doing these kinds of things. And he just likes having fun. Uh, and then it comes off in that. But then there are situations where he has to get serious and he does get serious. Mm-hmm. Good, which is a nice tone of change for, um, yeah, he knows when to have fun. He knows when to have, be serious and he does that. And so, it's almost like another situations where when he does get serious, he does the right things and takes matters in his own hands. And it's it's like he knows what he's doing all along. So it's almost the. Uh, uh, like he's playing the fool uh, just to be that character, but he knows he's not giving away all his cards like, oh, what's the term? There is a term for that where it's the person who's playing a fool, but isn't. Um, I don't know something something Shakespearean. <laughs> uh, there's a method to his madness. That's very clear. Well, That's most true. of the time, yeah. There's a few times where I don't even think he knew what the hell he was doing. <laughs> yeah, it's not a Mr. Bean situation where everything just serendipitously happens and works uh, through blunders. He just, yeah, he just has fun, but then he knows what's going on, and then but then there's situations where things are going crazy. And he starts freaking out about him because he doesn't know what to do. 
uh, and which is rightfully the right thing to do because he doesn't. It's like it was attempts to get him fired or worse, mm-hmm. and they were almost very successful. Uh, but then he like pulled it through in the end, uh, like in a situation where he got shot three times. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that those are situations like that that make him seem really badass, and then you also become impressed by him. So he, he kind of he becomes endearing, he becomes in, impressive. So, yeah, you, you do get character growth from all the characters, or from all the students around, because you have good-sized arcs of, like, two to three episodes for their arc, uh, and then you learn about them, you become invested in them, so... Um, and then about Onizuka, you do get invested in him, too. You learn about him, you see him be dumb and... F- and have a good time, and but then you also see him get serious and kind of pull through when he has to. So, but yeah, that's the thing that I think is so great about the show because a lot of times characters like him are so two dimensional. You know, you see him in the first episode and that way throughout the entire series. And in the case of Onizuka, even though he is still the same character from start to finish, the more you learn about him, the more you see how versatile he is and on how he really does care about these students, even though, you know, he basically calls some pieces of shit on a regular basis. Yeah. 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 But it's, but it's an endearing. He's, it's just like, exactly. it's the way you call your friends pieces of shit. Yeah, just that's just it. it. Yeah. yeah. And you do become more invested in him because you're getting to see more of who he is the whole time as you're going through there. I love that. It's a character that you can fall in love with. I think basically from episode two, because episode one, I mean, they're just showing him off as an asshole. That, that's really all they were going for there. But from episode two, you can really fall in love with him very easily, and it continues to grow. Your admiration for this character as a viewer continues to grow as his class of students continues to grow in admiration of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I gotta say, the finale, and I will not spoil it, is both one of the most satisfying and aggravating endings ever in an anime. Oh my god, I'm I'm still so happy mad about that. Okay. I know, I, 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 I shouldn't have even brought that up, because it's like, I can't elaborate on it, but I am so happy mad by that ending. I love it, I, it's just, I love it. I recognize that the show has plenty of flaws. I mean, you, you gave it a 7, I firmly give it an 8. I'd give it an 8.5, but I don't really believe in the points and all that stuff, so... Mm. I I would recommend this show to just about anybody. I know there's a lot of people that will have or would have a hard time getting over that 90s, early 2000s uh, hand-drawn art style. But dang, I just it's it's great. It perfectly emulates the manga on there. And I will go and say, I think that manga readers would probably appreciate this a little bit more than a lot of traditional anime guys. Um, because of on how the lines and the structure for all the animation is done. But that's a more just a... Yeah, there's always a lot less detail and stuff. Yeah, it, <laughs> they can't have spent too much time detailing everything. Exactly. I mean, especially with a lot of the shonen animes, because it's more about going and hitting a deadline. This one was just kind of a different thing altogether. Um, just because I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this... Um, so you watched it subbed. I actually caught this dubbed originally. And to your point, normally, especially during that period, the dubs are 
horrible, you know, for kids slash for shame entertainment levels of just bad. And there's weird translation stuff that goes into it. The dub for this one was actually done by stars entertainment. Uh, the guys who are, you know, doing the uh, Ash versus evil dead show. Mm. And it was managed by anchor Bay who, uh, has handled the last, uh, oh God, 20, 23 seasons of the Simpsons. Uh, mm. So there's actually some really top notch voice work going into it. Not like the traditional voice actors you've heard a million times over. There's a few of them that work their way in, but that's not, it's not the norm for this series. It's really a good dub. I would argue probably the best anime dub that's been done, at least here in the States. Okay, so wow. Just throwing that out there. Like, Tyler, if you ever get a chance to go and watch the dub, I would highly recommend it. It and Space Dandy are two that I would even recommend. Skip the subtitles. Just skip them. This, this is perfection. This, I think, is what the Japanese wanted it to be yeah, in the first you can, place. I watched, I watched Space Dandy dubbed. <coughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, don't die on me, man. Dandy subbed because I I did think it was better subbed or dubbed. Yeah, it was good. The dub was so good that the replays of it in Japan were done with the English dub. Yeah, because they brought just, it over and subtitled their own shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, how good that one was. And the dub version was by because uh, it's in space, like Space Dandy's being in space, and sort of rock and roll-ish and North American style. So the way it's dubbed is, yeah, by a character is by someone who understands that culture better. So he's like a hip, cool type character. And so you hear that in the voice of like, this is what his voice would sound like. It would sound American because he's got a pompadour and he's like, hey, cool cats. And he's all chill and relaxed and space dandy. He's a dandy guy in space. Yeah, he's the dandiest man in space, for God's sakes. He should sound dandy. Yeah, so I think Space Dandy is one that's like up there, and you should watch it dubbed. Um, Panty and Stocking is also up there. You can watch dubbed. Yeah, that that uh, one that one I could go either way on. I feel like both of those have good merits on there. I wouldn't necessarily say go to dubbed specifically, but... Actually, I'd say I, go watch both of them. I, that, that's just it. That's one that's... That's one I've watched it both ways, and I do not have a preference between them. They were both done to a very high technical level. There was at least one character in both of them that I thought just felt really awkward um, with the uh, character reads on there. So it's like, okay, there isn't a true level of perfection, but I'll I'll give them credit. They still did a great job with that one. Um, but the thing I can say with subbed is when they dub it, they turn all the background music slightly down. Uh, so the subversion, the soundtrack, like the music soundtrack for it is actually louder, uh, which works better because there's some episodes where all of a sudden the dialogue drops down and just becomes a fight scene. And those fight scenes are way better when the music is like turned up. Um, so that's the only thing I didn't like is they had some fight scenes in Panty and Stocking. And in the dub yeah. version, the background music is slightly quieter, and so you can't hear it. Because, yeah, no, their fight scenes are way better with the music up. 
It's just yeah, like you I, pump the music loud, and it just like it's like a dance electronic, and they're just fighting, shooting guns, blowing everything up. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah, the only I, thing I gotta say about that. But that that's a different anime. We're not talking about that anime right now. Yeah, no, no. Although I would still go and say, yeah, yeah, watch that. That um, that was Gainax in their prime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All trigger now. So yeah. Well, watch all the trigger. All all the good guys that were working on that stuff are now over at Trigger. Yeah, and they're making tons of good stuff. So just go watch yep. Trigger stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't recommend that enough. Um, yeah, so I'd say that's that's what it is for this. Um, I would always say go watch GTO because guess what? Everyone knows about GTO. It's one of those animes that everyone's heard of because it's like one of those pop culture animes. So I'd say just go watch it to say you've watched it. Even if you don't like it, just watch it because then you have it ticked off. It's like... It's like not seeing, like, like enjoying art and not have seen the Mona Lisa, or um, it's like being an anime fan and not watching a Studio Ghibli film. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that same kind of thing. This is this is a quintessential classic. It's one of those things you just. It's one of those things you need to do if you're an anime fan. You need to watch GTO, even if you don't really like it all that much. You know, g- give it a try at the least because you're. You're gonna have a moment you like. Yeah, but I think it's also like a history lesson thing. You gotta, yeah. you gotta know where anime can to sort of appreciate. You go, okay, this is this is what it was like. You watch this, and you go, okay, this is what anime was like in the nineties. Even if it does seem, it's like going and watching, um, uh, what are they like from movies? Sense, it's like <clears throat> go watch uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo Nest, mm-hmm. uh, or. Casablanca, Casablanca, Soiling Green. Mm. Uh, these are all movies that you just—they became uh, became just like cult uh, staple they movies. Were generational just, films. Yeah, so you just got to go see them just to get them. Like even if you like, they might become dated and not easy to watch, but you just you got to watch them just for that because they're yeah. they're just a staple film that or a staple anime that you just kind of to go see. So. Yeah, that's what I would say about GTO. I would agree with everything there. I I really would. So yeah, um, that was that was uh, that was our anime. We need another anime. Yeah. So we know something a little more classic this time around. What about something more modern? What What are you thinking? Something. We need we need more people in here. So we need something that someone else has seen. Love to be in the anime club. Yeah. Let me think. Got I gotta have something. And go look at my list of animes I have seen. Or maybe I want to watch something I haven't seen. Maybe why, that's why a don't thing. We, why don't we try something that you haven't seen? I mean Something new that I haven't seen. The new Berserk series and all. Oh yeah. Um, um and that's you really need to go and watch that one. I haven't seen the new one yet either. I watched the old one. Oh. Well. What do you think? Of Berserk? Yeah, I mean, both of us have seen the original. Do you want to watch the new one, the twenty twenty sixteen one? Then yeah, they I had mean, they had the uh, they had the really old one of Berserk, and yeah. then they had uh, they had a, the movies. They had the movies. Mm-hmm. Let's watch that. Twelve episodes. Yeah. Berserk twenty sixteen. All right, all right. That's that's what we're doing this time around here. All right, that sounds and good. We'll, we'll invite some people who want to be in the anime book club.
that banging's getting pretty loud. We should probably let him out of there, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you Dude. survived. Dude. Not Bro. cool. What Bro. is wrong with you people? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Help me. They're yeah, still helping you here. Anyway, right. go. Hold upcoming on. conventions, go! Yep, I'll do those real fast here. Alright, upcoming conventions for this week. If you are attending any of these conventions, as always, please make sure to have fun, be safe, and as always, follow the 11 Rules of Con. We'll start off with Anison, USA in Las Vegas, Nevada. And then uh, Acilia Con in Irvine, Texas. KegaCon in Newport News... Virginia, I believe VA is. Uh, Louise Anime. Now, that's a weird way of spelling it. Out of Bolton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. Shuntocon, or Shutocon, out of Lansing, Milwaukee. I think that's right. I don't even know anymore. Uh, FabukiCon, out of Amherst, New York. Uh, Harumosuri out of Burnaby, BC, British Columbia. Uh, Queen City Kamikaze out of Manchester, North, North, I, NH, NH, New Hampshire. Yeah. It is New Hampshire. Why the hell did I forget that? Uh, anyway, I don't know, um, but I'm glad you're not cheating. It's so much funnier when you're going and just failing on this. Yeah. Anime Con in, in Fresno, California. AOD in Santa Clara, California. Here's another one of our favorite ones Armageddon Duenadin in oh. Duenadin, New, New Zealand. <laughs> right. This this was the start of the Armageddon cons that were like week actually, after week after week. That's not actually Wait, true. What? No, actually, that's not true. The last, it started last week. Oh, God. Because that, that was the Armageddon Christchurch. Oh, God, right. All of these are in New Zealand. Every single one of them is named the same. <laughs> what the hell, New Zealand? Yeah, apparently there's an Armageddon every one, every week or so for the next three weeks. Um, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. But there's a lot of Armageddon over the past next couple weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't there one coming up in Detroit here soon? Mm, I gotta take a look. But anyway, moving over to Comic-Cons, we have Wizarding World Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, which will be, of course, this weekend. Um, Oaks in North Carolina, and the Dryersburg Comic and Pop Culture Show in Dryersburg, Tennessee. So once again, if you are attending any of these conventions, make sure, as always, to be safe, have fun, and as always, follow the 10, 11 rules of con. That's right, because we added one. Yep. Anyway, Melissa, it has been a delight having you here. It's been uh, awesome being here. Thank you guys again for having me. Definitely. Would you like to come back again? Absolutely. Heck yeah. And add her to the blood contract. Awesome. Tyler, extract the blood. Dun, anyway, duh. Melissa, is there anything you'd like to plug? Maybe a business venture of yours? Uh, again? <laughs> possibly a sponsorship for your favorite podcast? Uh, maybe uh, some kind of iPod needs charging. You could plug that too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, you guys, if you guys are ever interested in getting your one of a kind custom made character onesie, Kigurumi, hit me up on facebook.com slash kikuchikigurumis. Uh, I will supply a link to you guys, to you guys, so it's a lot easier to find. Awesome. Like I mentioned earlier, prices are generally $75 up. Prices are negotiable. Uh, free shipping, free shipping, you guys, and they're 
perfect for just wearing it to cons as a lazy cosplay or if it's like really cold and you don't want to like bundle up in a bunch of clothes or whatever or just just to feel cute and comfortable i mean hey hit me up you guys uh actually for the month of march i will be taking orders up until march 16th and if you get if you get those requests in by then i can send them uh overnight shipping for kigurumis so that's always fun you heard it here folks rob i will get you your godzilla kigurumis sometime soon hopefully yeah damn right you better at least get me the pricing i mean that's the more important thing i I got other things to worry about before con but you know you give me that (laughs) pricing there so i can go and commit to it anyway ah here we are geez it it has been it has been another it's been another episode let's be honest here folks it's just been another episode but thank you so much for joining us and sticking with us make sure to check us out on itunes and help us out by giving us a five-star review that's always nice we really would appreciate if you do that for us uh don't forget about our legacy uh legacy archives on soundcloud either you know we're still uh, going and uploading there for all you guys in case you want to go and listen to some of our crazy and wild uh first season stuff when we still had no idea what we were going and doing or our second season stuff where we had no idea what we were doing or our third season stuff stuff where we kind of know what we're doing but we're still acting like we have no idea what we're doing uh we are on youtube for all of our multimedia projects uh including old podcast episodes and coming soon mama samu's new convention review show title pending uh hit us up on uh, twitter at soccer rangers our email soccer rangers podcast gmail.com and don't forget about our facebook page soccer rangers podcast nobody ever it's amazing anyway we're having a lot of fun it's been a great season so far we're coming up here uh for our live show at soccer con which will be only sort of live because well let's be honest you won't be listening to it at soccer con because you're going to be there anyway probably unless you're cole who's going to be managing all of our social media stuff over the weekend and uh yeah we're looking forward to that and we're looking forward to seeing all of you guys there having you guys listen to us more and of course thank you for all of that and listening to we are doomed updating hopefully every monday i know we've been a little bit behind on that i apologize real life stuff's gotten in the way so sorry about that guys but we love you thank you so much and take care bye everyone Bye. 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 bye